Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now... He gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan. We're going to talk with Marcus Thompson. The second. Got to make sure I get that right. I'm the fourth. So got to pay respects to your seconds, your thirds, your fourths, your fifths, whatever the case may be, right? Marcus Thompson II uh, covers the NBA for The Athletic. He's been a West Coast writer for a long time. He wrote a great book about the top NBA dynasties, the 10 uh, greats of all-time teams that changed the NBA forever. We'll talk with him coming up in about 15 minutes. Also, check in with Don Wachillis from the College Sports Show. Get his thoughts on what's been going on college basketball-wise in the area. Also, his thoughts on Ches Malusi being done for the year with the Wisconsin Badgers, as was announced earlier today. Uh, so that means going forward, Braylon Allen, the clear number one, and probably will get a majority of carries. We'll talk with Donald Chillis as he has a Journey House College Sports Show uh, coming up tonight from six to eight here on the fan. We'll do that coming up at about two thirty, two thirty-five. Before then, though, uh, we've been doing Packers, 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 Packers. If anything happens to OBJ or any news comes out, I'll let you know. But I want to touch a little bit on the Brewers here. Uh, a great piece up uh, at Brewers.com. Uh, MLB.com, however you want to go about it. Uh, and a, a piece put out by Adam McKelvey uh, and Jordan Bastion uh, when uh, they talked to uh, President of Operations for the Brewers, uh, David Stearns, at the GM meetings. So this is kind of some of the quotes here. Stearns tells MLB.com on Wednesday evening during a break, quote, we're in a fortunate position where we can bring back the vast majority of our team for next year. It's a team that in its present state, we think it's very competitive and can compete once again for a division and hopefully advance in the playoffs. But we also have an opportunity to try to improve the team wherever we can. That can take a variety of forms. Stearns continues. I think we're likely to remain a run prevention first team next year where we're built around our pitching and defense. I don't see that changing. We also, where there are opportunities to improve our offense, We'll take advantage of that. I don't know whether those will emerge at the outset of the offseason or later in the offseason, but we're certainly going to be aware of what's going on in the market and do our best to improve our team where we can. Can I just add this? We'll get to more of this uh, piece, very good piece written on MLB.com. 
I, I understand pitching and defense wins, right? Just like in the NFL. Ah, defense, uh, you know, offense is pretty. Defense wins championships, whatever. Fine. But uh, in baseball, they always say pitching and defense. And for years, the Brewers had all kinds of offense and didn't have the other two, and that was always a problem. Now they have pitching and defense, and now they don't have the offense, and that became a problem uh, once they got to the postseason and couldn't get past the Braves who eventually won the thing. I don't know about you, but from my perspective, I'm fine sacrificing some defense to get a, a bat or two in here. I really am. Like, if if we suffer defensively at two positions, but those two positions are going to hit 30 or 35 home runs, I'm good. Like, I'll, I'll take my chances. If a corner outfielder isn't the best, fine. Totally fine. If the first baseman isn't the best, but he hits a ton of home runs and drives in runs, fine. Again, I'm willing to sacrifice that because, again, normally in baseball, you're built up the middle defensively, right? That's that's where the keys are. Well, defensively, Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, you're good there. Center field, Low Kane, and uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., you're good there. You got no worries defensively there. So, and then Omar Navarez, I think, you know, has gotten better to a degree since he's been here. So, I think you're fine there. Now, Yellow Jordan corner outfield spot is who he is at this point. But then you have to fill in the other corner and then first and third base. Now, if you're going to decide that Urias is going to stay at third base and be your starting third baseman, I feel okay with that there at third base. That's fine. If he's going to hit 20 to 25 homers, if that's if that power we saw this year is real, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but if that power is real, uh, then you should be okay there. Then if you go get, say, a name that I've heard a lot of from Brewer fans that everybody wants because Oakland is having a fire sale uh, like they do every few years. Matt Olson, if Matt Olson's going to be your guy uh, at first base and that's going to be the trade you're going to make, fine. Like, I'm all for it. Go ahead. But you need a bat. So you need a bat there and you need a bat in a corner outfield position. You agree with my my philosophy there, Plucker? It's okay to give up some defense if – it's a, a rather big time offensive bat. Yeah, I I do, and and I know Stern's thinking here, and it's if something doesn't happen this way, he's kind of covering his own basis because maybe he is in on a big name player, but maybe the Brewers can't afford to bring in a bat like exactly, that. and and because of that, I mean that's what won this game or this team. So this that's what. That's why this team won so many games last season was because they're pitching in defense. So to say something like, we're going to rely on that again this year is obviously the smart thing to say when when he's talking about their approach for next season because those were the two strongest points of this team a year ago and they won 95 games, right? And, right. And for Stern's philosophy of getting as many bites at the apple as possible, as he likes to say over and over again, they have been getting bites. All that that he needs is for a couple of dudes to get hot at the right time, and and that's what happened this past year for the Brewers. Now it happened at the wrong time. It didn't mm-hmm. happen during the postseason. It happened earlier in the season. But th- that's all that he's looking at. And and if if that's the approach that he takes, I think so. I think a lot of Brewers fans will be okay with that, and a lot of other Brewers fans will also be kicking and screaming and saying that they need a bat. Now, part of this is, uh, well, they need a new hitting coach. They need a new hitting coach. Andy Haynes was horrible. Get rid of Andy Haynes. Okay. They did. He's out. 
David Stearns was asked about that as well uh, by the fine folks, uh, Adam McKelvey and uh, his cohort, Jordan Bastion. Uh, and he said they're nearing the end of the process uh, as far as hiring a new hitting coach uh, whose contract was not renewed uh, last month. Any idea who the heck that's going to be? Like, I haven't even seen any names linked to the Brewers job as far as, well, the Brewers are looking at uh, person A, person B, and person C. And between these two or three guys, this is who they're going to hire. I haven't seen anything. Now, I've seen guys, you know, like reviewing the Bruins stuff, talking about guys that they like and who they think would make sense for the job, but as far as like the national guys or even Adam McKelvey, I don't know if if McKelvey's even put together a list of guys who the Brewers are interested in or interviewing at this point. But be interesting to see who they uh, end up getting uh, to come in. And you would think Council would have some say in this, right? Don't you think Council would be involved in this process since he's the manager of the baseball club? That this wouldn't just be a Stearns and Matt Arnold thing. That Council would be involved. If he's not involved, he should be involved. Uh, okay, so now uh, the the conversation turns to the surplus of pitching uh, that the Brewers have and whether or not maybe they could use that uh, as trade chips, maybe to get some more offense. Stern says, quote, when you have the depth that we have and people know you have the depth that we have, it yields conversations and people call. People are always looking for pitching. We are fortunate that we have amassed, I wouldn't say surplus because I don't think you ever have surplus, but we have amassed depth. And so it's natural to have conversations, and I'm certain those conversations will progress throughout the offseason. It's really tough to trade pitching, but we also have to listen and see if there's something that makes sense. Now, we're talking. Said before, you can have pretty much any of our guys. I, I'm fine moving Hauser. I'm fine moving uh, Eric Lauer. I'm good there. Um Ethan Small and Ashby, I don't know, man. You're going to kind of have to really twist my arm. It's going to have to be somebody really good if I'm giving up one of those two uh, going forward. But I'm not moving Peralta, Woodruff, or Burns. Nope. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm there on that. Of the three, I think I would move Peralta first before Woodruff and Burns. But the problem with moving Peralta is you have so much team control of Peralta. Like... That makes even, to me, that makes it even more difficult to trade him because whoever you trade him to has him for a while before they have to worry about paying him. You got a couple more years left with Burns and Woodruff, and then you're really going to have to up the ante and determine which one of those two guys are coming back. Because I don't think, from a free agency standpoint, knowing how much pitchers make, that you'll be able to bring both of them back. I, I don't even know if you can bring one of them back once they hit free agency. Uh, so that that also has to be part of it as well. Uh, okay, part of that group is Ethan Small, they write, who missed time in 2021 with left-hand injury, uh, but has been pitching in the Dominican Republic this winter. Stern said, that's a great experience for Ethan. First and foremost, we want him just to amass innings. Those are great environments. They are raucous environments for him to pitch there and have some success there. It's really good uh, to see. So we'll see. We'll see how this whole thing plays out for the Milwaukee Brewers. I think in order to get a significant bat, Dan Plucker, they're going to have to trade pitching. I just do. I mean, if it's a Matt Olson of Oakland, if that's the guy that they're going to line up to get, there's going to be a bidding war, more than likely, between them and several other teams as far as who's going to give up the most to bring him in and put him at first base. Um, and they're going to have to be willing to give up pitching prospects and and swallow hard and hope that Olsen can deliver them a World Series appearance. Yeah, I have a feeling they if they would make a move for a guy like Olsen, they're going to have to give away either Aaron Ashby or Ethan Small Fine. and then throw in another 
mid-level prospect sure. and a deep prospect as well. Right. And it would it would have to be an, probably an MLB-ready arm because the Athletics are also dealing a bunch of their starters, too. Yeah, they're, it's the, a fire sale. Exactly. They're starting over. Exactly. So they're not going to be or, very good. Or maybe they want to go really, really young, and then you throw in one of your first-round picks from the last two years that have been playing really well whose names are escaping me mm-hmm. right now, the yeah. outfielder and um, – yeah, I, I'm not trying to get rid of any first-round draft picks in the last couple of years. I, I'm just not there um, because you need the bats. The bats are still going to be needed in two or three years when they get here, I think, at this point, because we've talked about with Yelich, you're going to need outfielders. So that's going to be a thing. Lorenzo Cain is going to be done after next year. They don't trade him this year. Jackie Bradley Jr. is done after next year. Even I mean, he opted in, but he's done after next year for sure. You're not going to be able to bring back Avi Garcia, it doesn't look like. So he's done. I mean – you're going to need two outfielders to go with Yelich going forward here at some point uh, after next season. So I'm not about trading my bats that I just drafted. I, I'm I'm opposed to that at this point. Uh, but if they want to trade pitching, that's at A ball or rookie ball or something along those lines. Um, that I I don't mind that as much. But I I don't want to trade the Garrett Mitchells of the world uh, going forward here if if I'm the Brewers. All right, coming up next, Marcus Thompson the second. Uh, wrote a book uh, called Dynasties. Talks about the 10 greatest teams of all time that changed the NBA forever. And he's got one team in here hailing from Detroit that I don't think belongs in here. We'll talk about that with Marcus Thompson II coming up next here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome in Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fans, Steve Sparky Fiverr with you live from the Lakeland University studios, the leader in online education for more than 25 years lakeland.edu that's lakeland.edu joining us now on the great midwest bank hotline is marcus thompson the secondly columnist uh, over at the athletics been covering the nba for a number of years especially out there on the west coast with the golden state warriors and now author of a new book called dynasties the 10 goat teams that changed the nba forever marcus thanks for coming on man appreciate it oh this is my pleasure absolutely Thanks for having me. All right, first things first. So l- let's let's have the conversation uh, about in, in your mind what makes uh, a dynasty. We've we've had the conversation before here, and I think at least on this station we've kind of come to the understanding of it's probably three championships in five years is kind of how we define it around here. For you, uh, what defines a dynasty for you? I added a few layers, right? I, I did. I took it beyond winning. Yeah, you added, added the villain uh, role into this whole thing. Yeah, I added like, man, did you evolve the game? Is basketball different because your dynasty existed? Did you provide something that uh, lasted forever? Uh, I added, did you have some type of cultural impact? Were you uh, influential in the times or representing the times, or you know, and did you? Did you make us remember you forever? Did you, you know, etch yourselves into the psyche of the basketball world so we just somehow keep talking about you and keep mattering? Uh, so I had to widen the parameter because inevitably I knew I was going to leave off some really great teams and I needed a good explanation. <laughs> no, I get it. Like for me now, I said before you came on, for me, the Pistons, I struggle with the Pistons because they got a couple, they didn't meet my three and five, but based on your parameter of being remembered forever and all of that, I mean, they were called the bad boys for God's sake. So ain't nobody going to forget Bill Lambeer and Isaiah and that, those guys. That, that was, you know, to me, that, that put them over the hump, right? The fact that 
Well, the game evolved after them, right? We 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 talk about their era with reverence, and they kind of defined it, right? Even more than the New York Knicks, we talk about the sure. Pistons being the physical yep. defensive team. Uh, and I also give them credit because they actually had to beat Magic and, the, and Jordan, right? right? Their two titles are a bit different, right? They they won back to back, but they won back to back against two uh, one outgoing dynasty and one coming in, so their competition was really stiff, but I do like the fact of what they meant and how they, they, we just can't let go of the bad boys, man. They just etched into our psyche. Yeah. I think about that all the time. Like how different is the NBA as far as what teams do? If Michael Jordan never exists, you know, how long does that dynasty run in Detroit? If there was no Jordan in Chicago. Or just Utah become a dynasty. That too. Yep. Seattle Sonics, right? Right. Or even the Phoenix Suns, right? Like, there's a whole lot of teams that might have had a different uh, outcome in a parallel universe if Jordan (laughs) Jordan doesn't make it happen. That's why the Bulls are great, right? That's because they they ended dreams while chasing their own. Yeah, he is Marcus Thompson the second. Go check out his book. It's awesome. I got it in my hands. Dynasties, the 10 greatest uh, of all time teams that changed the NBA forever. Uh, let, let's talk a, a little bit uh, about another chapter in this book that that I chuckled at. Because a, a lot of times, you know, we think of dynasties, we think of teams. But you took LeBron James and made him his own chapter. The, the King Dynasties is what you called it. And I've never looked at it from a player perspective of him having his own dynasty but because LeBron has hopped around so often it makes sense you know it was tricky because like if you pick just say the Miami Heat right uh that's a questionable dynasty at 10 right for sure you know they 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 lost the first title you know in an upset one of the historic upsets and then they kind of went out with a whimper right like San Antonio dispatched them easily so it was like, oh, I mean, you could you could make the case for them for sure. But to me, it doesn't really encapsulate what happened. And I had a hard time sitting there thinking about if we're just telling the story of the NBA, how do we leave out the fact that LeBron went to eight straight championships? Right. And and, and he won a, he's won a title with every team he's played for. Like he's been to three teams and he's won a title with three teams to me. That just feels like something so unique and so transcendent. And, you know, I feel like it would it'd be a nice curveball, too, because, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to do something a little different. I could have put a few teams there. Yeah, but to me, it just felt like, you know, let's be a little different. Let's, let's call it the King Dynasty. And, and, you know, so whenever I get people to guess, somehow they can never guess the 10th one. So it's a great trivia question, too. Those Russell Celtics, those Magic Johnson Lakers, that's a tough call of which one you like better, I think. You know, so I'm going I'm to be, be real with you. My favorite dynasty doing the research on this was the Russell Celtics. I had no idea how much stuff they invented, right? I had no idea just how much they modernized the game. And, you know, we've been kind of immersed in this player movement, right, of social justice for a couple of years. So, like, at the timing of reading about them, and what was going on live while I was writing the book, it just gave me so much more respect for them, right? Like they were they were fighting for social justice when lives were on the line, right? <laughs> right? It was a, it, like they were in the middle of some major major stuff. It was like the heart of the civil rights movement, and you had Russell and you had our back and you know Sam Jones bucking against it. I remember thinking like Tommy Heinsohn, the late Tommy Heinsohn 
was in Boston, like in the heart of, you know, the busing crisis. Yep. And he was one white guy playing with four black guys in the starting lineup. What what was he hearing, right? When he <laughs> went home? Like, no doubt. <laughs> I was just like, yo, yo, he had to, you, I mean, think about how he had to be, like you had to be resolved. So to me, I, gr- I grew a, a, such a level of appreciation for what they went through and, and, and how they managed their dynasty in the middle of all that. I was like, yo, we need to stop sleeping on the Boston Celtics. I know it was only eighteens, right? I got it. I know the black and white videos like of Koozie dribbling with his forearm, but we still got to appreciate what they went through and, and how they pulled it off. You know, Marcus, there are two guys that I think always kind of uh, get left out a lot of times when you hear sports talk radio or the talking heads on TV talk about uh, grace of all-time players. I think Bill Russell and Lou Alcindor always get left out in this deal when these guys have these conversations for greatest of all time. And I think they both belong in the conversation at or near the top of the conversation. I think you should add Wilton to that too. Yeah, (laughs) Wilton's another one, yeah. These are – it's so unfortunate. This is why I I, I feel like honored to do this book. And I I really do feel like I I was cheated a, a bit because this is not common knowledge. Some of the stuff that I wrote about and learned about is not common knowledge. And it's hard to grasp it because we just don't have the video. These games aren't on, right? There's kind of not that much access to it. Every now and then there's a great documentary and we eat it up, but there's just not enough. So we just don't fully understand. Like we don't understand how big it was when when Lou Alcindor left the Bucks. And went to the Lakers, right? Like he wanted I mean, out. They were right he didn't want to. He, he yes. didn't. He, he didn't want to be here. He wanted to leave. Nah, I, he I, wanted out. Hey, Marcus, I talk oh, about he, it all the time. If there would have been social media and all of that, he'd be the most hated man today, still in this town. Had there been social media and everything that there is now, because the way it went, you talked to some of the old timers. They're still mad at him, obviously. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, I mean, Brett Favre was pretty bad. That that divided the state. Uh, but that Lou Alcindor thing, that really would have changed things uh, in Milwaukee as far as perception goes. It was huge. You know, I mean, the significance of Lou Alcindor saying, yo, I, I want out. Yep. I mean, just as huge as it was that he, like, stuck to his commitment and chose the Bucks over the ABA. Like, I didn't even know about this stuff, right, where the players are kind of choosing right. where they want to go. Doc, Dr. J ended up with the Virginia Squires instead of the NBA, like, we don't even know about that stuff. So to me, that you, you're right. They're not in the conversation, but a lot of it is because of lack of knowledge. No matter how you conclude, right? No matter what you say, I'm gonna say Jordan all day, every day, right? But it but but they, if they're in the conversation, it's because we know about them, and I think just not enough people know about them to even include them in the conversation, which to me is uh, a travesty because they were incredible. You know, the the other part of this is if you think back to these dynasties, right? So you talk about Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Is, is there that guy right now after LeBron in the NBA that's going to have a chapter uh, in a book at some point 10 years from now of being the next great player with a dynasty? Who Who is that guy? Because I was thinking about this earlier today. I don't know who that guy is that's going to have that next great run. Uh, I, I got I got a candidate, pretty strong candidate. I'm actually looking at the book written by Mirren Fader. <laughs> uh, I just think I feel like Giannis is positioned to do something incredible. I think he's there, and at some point, if if they win it this year, that's back to back, right? And just based on how 
the year is shaken down. Like, you get to the playoffs, that team is going to be scary. In a similar fashion, the Warriors are, right? Because it's like, yo, you get a champion in the playoffs, you don't know what's going to happen. But I, I'm, I, I, I think somebody's going to want to go play with Giannis. I think somebody's going to say, you know what? I'm going to go. I want to, I want to compete for a championship year in the year. I'm going to go play with him in the same vein that Kevin Durant went to Golden State. Like, I do think something's building there. I think he's got a shot. Obviously, Brooklyn has a chance if they could ever get everybody on the court. You know, obviously, uh, well, I think the Lakers, I don't know if the Lakers have as much of a shot anymore. But, no, no, they, know, they no. have a title. No. <laughs> yeah, they've just been, I'm very disappointed in them, uh, just how they look. But LeBron and KD, obviously, you know, but I do think Giannis has a chance. I think it's going to take one more player to come because what he did with what he had last year was just, it was insane, but it's a great foundational piece. This is how they begin with that one championship that you kind of didn't expect. Like they all begin that way. Like, oh, okay, you got something here, and then you build on it. No. And I think that's what he's. I give him the best shot, actually. No, you're not going to get my hopes up. I don't lie. I refuse to let you get my hopes up as a Bucks fan. And you're not going to coming. Not going to do it to me. Coming, I'm telling you. Not going to do it to me, Marcus. Marcus, you did call it. I'll definitely play it back if it happens. Marcus Thompson, the second. Go buy his book, Dynasties: The Ten Greatest of All Time Teams That Changed the NBA Forever. I'm assuming they can get this on Amazon, wherever books are sold. Is my guess right? Absolutely, but please check your local bookstore. Support the community. Support there you go. Bookstore. Yeah, now Absolutely. we're talking. And check him out at The Athletic as well. He's one of the best. He's been on the West Coast for a long time. I've read his stuff for a long time. Check him out there as well. Marcus, thanks so much for coming on, man. appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You betcha. Take care. There he is, Marcus Thompson on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Apply for home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious. Well, breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help the experience a state of tranquility. Get started at GreatMidwestBank.com today. Coming up next, Don with Chillis, Journey House College Sports Show. We'll talk about uh, Ches Malusi injury, him being done for the year, as announced earlier today by Paul, Chris, and the Badgers. Talk some college basketball as well. All coming up next uh, here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Sparky's Midday Madness on twelve fifty a.m. The Fan live from the Lakeland University Studios, the leader in online education for more than twenty five years. Lakeland.edu. Hey, don't forget, no matter your favorite sport. The place to be for great food, fun, and playing your own favorite indoor games like bocce ball, darts, pool, table tennis. They got it all at Q Club of Wisconsin. Plenty of TVs to watch the games on while you play your favorite indoor games in a huge entertainment game room and settle down some awesome food from loaded burgers, wraps, wings, plus their Wednesday and Friday fish fries piled up. Ha! With all the extras, visit their Facebook page or QClubOfWI.com for menu and weekend live entertainment updates. Q Club of Wisconsin, North Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. Joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from the Journey House College Sports Show tonight, 6 to 8, every Thursday night here on The Fan. He is one part of that show. Don Wachillis joins us now. How are you doing, Don? I'm good, Sparky. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so your thoughts, I don't think anybody was surprised uh, that Ches Malusi done for the year with Wisconsin. Uh, I can't imagine you were surprised either. Wasn't necessarily surprised, but it's still, when you actually hear the news, um, it's a kick in the solar plexus because that running game was finally gelling. You realize you still had another year of Malusi to go along with Braylon Allen and what the future held with that tandem at the running back position. And 
surprised, no. He knew something was in the works as far as the way the coaching staff was being secretive about his progress after being taken out of the game last week. And it's still, it, you hate to see it for any athlete who gets hurt, but especially at the college level. And you just hope that whatever needs to be done surgically can be done, repaired, and at some point he can make his return. You know, it's interesting because Gary and I were talking about this earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show. We talk about Braylon Allen. The one guy that him and I both forgot about was Julius Davis, the kid out of Menominee Falls that finally got a little look-see here uh, and may now be in line to be in a position to get some carries week in and week out after starting the year as what, like the fifth or sixth guy on the depth chart at running back? Yeah, there's going to be a number of guys that were way down on the depth chart, like you just mentioned, Julius Davis, that are going to see a little bit of playing time. And then you have to, in essence, balance now. You know, as a freshman, you get to play in four games and still keep your red shirt. So the coaches now, as this season wanes forward, is going to have to make a decision. How much action does a Julius Davis get in relation to whether or not we can hold that red shirt intact? But didn't he already redshirt? I mean, he missed that whole first year because of injury. I think he's a redshirt sophomore right now. I'm, I'd have to look back on that, Spark, because I know last year with the whole COVID protocol, it, oh. it changed some things. So I, you could be right or I could be right on this, and I'm, I'm not 100% because sure. Because I want to say he came in, he had the sports hernia or whatever, had multiple surgeries. Right. That was gone. Right. Then last year he came in at like uh, a buck 90 or something like that, uh, <laughs> yeah. and there was no way he could play at that light of weight, and now he's up to 200, 201. Jesse Temple, I want to say, uh, of The Athletic, had a great piece on Julius Davis uh, earlier today, and now all of a sudden you, you get into a conversation of, how much do you want to give Braylon Allen the ball, right? I mean, do you want him yeah. to be the main guy like a Ron Dane and just pound it and pound it? Or do you still want to watch his carries and give other people a, a shot at that running back job? I think you have to monitor his carries. I, I don't think you want to necessarily wear him out, even though we're in the latter half of the season. I think monitoring his carries is going to be a must. With that said, I think even though we're going to monitor his carries, listen to me, we, like I'm doing anything, um, I think they're going to increase. I think he's going to be the guy in the backfield who carries the brunt of that offense, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be to the level that many think it could be, simply because you've got a young man here who's got a few more years left in the tank with the Badgers, and you don't want anything to happen to him as this season winds down. Talking with our guy down with Chillis. Check out the Journey House College Sports Show coming up tonight, 6 to 8 every Thursday night uh, here on 1250 AM. The Fan. Uh, continuing on talking about this Badgers team, the way it sets up right now, looking at the remainder of the schedule, how are we feeling about them running the table to get out of this thing with Northwestern up first? I'm feeling pretty good, and and the last time you had me on, we kind of laughed. Like, wouldn't this be it for the Badgers? And then they beat the Iowa and find themselves yep. right, and run the table and find themselves in the Big Ten championship. This years ago for me would have been the trap game against Northwestern, but Northwestern is in a very very down period right now as far as this season goes. So they don't scare me. The team that scares me out of the final three is Nebraska. And as much as I'm not a Scott Frost fan, as much as I like to have fun poking at him like there's no tomorrow, Scott Frost, at least that team will play for him. 
and they've been in games. They played Ohio State pretty tough. They make mistakes. They find ways to lose games. But Nebraska of the three is the one that scares me right now. I'm with you. I think Nebraska does too, not because of their win-loss record, because that's nothing great, but because they have been playing teams fairly competitive. Yes. Yes, they play teams competitive. They make mistakes. Scott Frost has found ways, even from the coaching standpoint, to make some errors. It will be interesting after this week, and he got the extension, the pay cut, the vote of confidence. For me, that's all the kiss of death from the administration. But getting rid of some of his staff right now, parting ways with them, I don't necessarily know what that will do now for those that remain on the staff and how that will play out with the team as a whole. All right, uh, quickly here, uh, I want to get into a little bit of college basketball uh, as that all got uh, underway here. Uh, your thoughts first on PBJ uh, over at UW-Milwaukee and how he looked in that game against North Dakota. I thought he started off slow uh, and then found his rhythm as the game went on. Yeah, he definitely found his rhythm as the game went on. And uh, You know, here, here's your hot take for the day. I'll take UWM and Duke for the national championship after watching those two play. But there were times that Patrick Baldwin Jr. just had flashes of what we all thought he was going to do. Uh, a couple of times working the baseline, the way he's able with his wingspan to do, just to do some miraculous stuff with the basketball. I'm, I'm just continually excited about the Panthers as, as they move forward and getting into the Horizon League. Yeah, they got their homecoming game uh, at Panther Arena coming up on Saturday night if people want to go. Check out PBJ because uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., I'm telling you, he's going to be something you want to watch. He may be a lottery pick before this whole thing is said and done. Then, so I was watching that game, and I was flipping between the box. And then I went over and I watched the second half uh, of the Marquette game. Uh, and another freshman I'm pretty excited about, Stevie Mitchell over at Marquette, has me excited to see what he can do throughout the year. Yeah, you know, there are going to be players like you just mentioned there, along with Shaka Smart. I just think the dynamic, the entire dynamic at Marquette with regards to that team is changed with Wojo being gone. And that dynamic just, it, it, it breathes excitement right now. So college basketball in this city, coupled with what the Bucks have done and will do, it, it's just going to be a fun time of the year. Uh, here in the in the city of Milwaukee with what we're about to witness. I don't think – now, you tell me where I'm wrong on this. I, I don't think anybody expects the Badgers uh, to be in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if anybody expects Marquette to be in the NCAA tournament. But, but where is the heat with UW-Milwaukee? Like, is the expectation because they have PBJ it, it, to win the horizon and be in the tournament, is that the expectation? Because if it is, I don't think it should be. But I, I, I guess I'm a little bit confused on where expectations lie for that team. I think that's exactly where it is. I think with the addition of Patrick Baldwin Jr., with the addition of some of the young men that came to UWM through the portal, along with some of the guys that were already on the squad, I think they're head and shoulders the best team right now in the horizon and winning the horizon and getting an opportunity to get to the dance. I think that's what the expectation is right now for the Panthers. Let's talk about the Badgers and their young guys. Chucky Hepburn is a guy that I like him too. I didn't get to see the game, but yeah. I, I've seen enough video of him on YouTube and so forth. To, I think there's a reason to get excited about him. Yeah, Chucky Hepburn, you match him with Jonathan Davis. And the fact that we really haven't seen a freshman, and I don't know when, 
that has started for the Badgers. So you know Chucky Hepburn has impressed the heck out of that coaching staff down in Madison. And to see those two players this year, especially as the season goes on, I think there's going to be some trials and tribulations early on. But once they get in sync, again, the expectation for the Badgers, probably not great. But I think there's enough talent on that team that there will be some games that we'll be really talking about because we'll be excited to see what those guys do on the floor. Time with Don with Chillis, Journey House College Sports Show here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Don't you think part of the reason that he's starting, though, is because they just don't have a lot of depth on that team right now in Madison? They don't have a lot of depth, Sparky, but there's been times when that team hasn't had a lot of depth, and we've seen guys who were incredible from an athletic standpoint as freshmen not see a lot of time. Not that they didn't play but not start and not see a lot of minutes until maybe later in the season. The fact that Greg Gard is content with putting Chucky out there right now, just I, to me it just screams athleticism from this kid and what his ceiling could be with the Badgers. I like the fact that he likes defense. Like I, And that fits perfect with Wisconsin because they're all about you know playing defense and scoring 50 points. So that fits in perfectly with what they want to do. Uh, real quick, uh, I want to talk about my uh, Whitewater team. We've got Coach Kevin Bullis uh, on. Uh, we'll have him on uh, tomorrow. They are unbelievable. I mean, that, this last game that they had, uh, you know, it came down to the fourth quarter uh, of hanging on and winning that football game. But again, I mean, they win the they win the conference again, and they're in a position to be a force in the playoffs. Sparky, I don't have the roster in front of me. I just remember the kid wearing number eleven. It's one of the great defensive plays that you'll see the timing that he utilized in the end zone to break up the play with no time left on the clock to prevent lacrosse from scoring and taking the lead was just unbelievable. A split second earlier, and we were looking at lacrosse getting an an untimed down uh, at the one-yard line, which, again, could have given them the win. No doubt. So congratulations to Whitewater. They got their 38th. Uh, we act title, whether it'll be outright or they'll share it with, in this case, potentially lacrosse, depending on what happens Saturday. They're going to win. They, they've, secured, yeah. they've secured themselves a spot in the postseason and ranked number three in the country. It's beautiful. Heads up. It's we're, awesome. We're, Check out Don with Chillis looking. coming up tonight, <laughs> 6 to 8. Who do you have on the show? We have some OBJ news here, Don. Sorry to rush you along. What do you got tonight? No, that's all right. Get to the OBJ news. Megan Duffy, head coach at Marquette. We'll talk to Matt Bells, our Badger insider. We'll talk to Coach Gresky from Wisconsin Lutheran College. And so it, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. You guys had Coach Bullis on last week, right? We had Coach yeah. Bullis on last week. I mean, he's he's just a great, he's awesome. a great interview. Yep. And someone great to talk to. Love yep. him. There he is. That one chills. Catch him and Dan Underberg tonight. Journey House College Sports Show tonight on the Fan Six to Eight. Thank you, Don. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. There he's down with chills. Applying for a home renovation loan. He's feeling anxious. Breathing like Great Midwest Bank. Help you experience the state of tranquility. Get started at GreatMidwestBank.com today. Breaking news on OBJ. With that is executive producer Dan Plucker. Yeah, we have conflicting reports. Ian Rappaport saying that it is a fine, it is a, a duel between the Rams and the Packers are his two finalists. That was like 48 seconds ago. And then about 20 seconds ago, Adam Schefter tweets that OBJ is finalizing a deal with the Los Angeles Rams. Well, we'll find out. So Schefter says... I didn't a- have my headphones plugged in, so I didn't hear a lot of that. Could Dan say it again? Yes. So Rappaport is saying that there are two finalists, the Rams and the Packers. Schefter is saying a deal is done, OBJ to the Rams. Oh. 
Okay. All right. So do we go with the troll, or do we wait to wait for who's, Rappaport to, to confirm? Who's the troll? Uh, Schefter. Why is he a troll? Because he is. He is not. He can't. He he had to go on the air and apologize last night for how we covered the Delvin Cook well, story. Well, at least he went on the air and apologized. Oh, oh for now it. A lot of journalists won't do <laughs> that. On. Now Schefter is saying OBJ expected to be a Ram mm. troll, like I said. So Ian Rappaport, we'll go with him. So let's just wait and see what Ian Rappaport says, dude. Schefter is again. I, I, I said before I'm done with that dude, and more and more people are going down the same lines. So he tweeted that out, and then somebody from the Rams camp, I'm sure, texted him and said, whoa, 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 whoa. There's nothing done yet, one way or the other. Let's not put that out there. So Rappaport's saying it's between the Packers and Rams. Schefter's saying that he thinks it's going to be the Rams. So if it's the Rams, that sucks. Well, now Jordan Rodriguez, who we've had on before covering the Rams, right. saying the deal is done with the Rams. So Jordan Rodriguez says it's done with the Rams. She said a source with direct knowledge said the deal is done, Odell Odell Beckham Jr. will be a Los Angeles Ram. That sucks. That sucks. It sucks for numerous reasons. Number one, that the Packers didn't get him. That's the first reason. The second reason it sucks, if what Ian Rappaport was saying earlier today, that he's looking for a home for two or three years, that means you may have to deal with Odell Beckham Jr. in L.A. for two or three years, not just this year, if this is a longer-term deal, uh, which we have to wait and find out if that's the case. And number three... Dude, this is a team you may have to deal with in the playoffs. And you just gave Matt Stafford another big-time weapon uh, to beat you with. I mean, if he goes to the Chiefs, so what? Then go. You want to go to the Saints? Have fun. But the Rams with Stafford and McVay and all of that? They better get Jair Alexander back now. I, I just don't get this for, for from OBJ's perspective. Unless it's multiple years, I don't understand That's what I'm saying. It. If it's two or three years, then he's there and he doesn't have to worry but, about moving. He's the best receiver on the team outside of Cooper Cup is one still. But, yeah. I mean, but he's maybe wide receiver three there. Robert Woods has more of a rapport than Matthew Stafford there already. So he's That's he not in OBJ's being, mind, I bet you. He went from being a wide receiver two in Cleveland to now being a wide receiver three in L.A. That doesn't make any sense to me. If he would have come to Green Bay, it would have been a different story. Obviously, he's put right in there next to Devontae Adams. Obviously, he's not Devontae Adams, but he's a wide right. receiver two probably yeah. in Green Bay. But so I, um, unless it's either more money or more years, it just doesn't make that much sense to if, me. If you boil down just the targets and wide receivers he's he would be a number two here in green bay but i was talking about this yesterday if you if you're talking about touches and targets all like combined how many times the guy's actually going to get his hands on the ball he's probably going to be behind Devonte adams aaron jones maybe even aj Dillon. you know what i mean it's, it's not necessarily about how many targets a guy gets versus the other receivers on the team it's about how many touches he gets how how involved is he in the offense on on a play-by-play basis and i think he he might get more action in Los Angeles than he would here in Green Bay, or pretty close to it. Yeah, I think he's going to still have a lot of targets. No question. Um, uh, based on what Silverstein said, it sounds like uh, the Rams offered more money. Of course. But the question is, is it multiple years? How do the Rams still That's, have money? Because they always find money. They, they always find money. So now what I want to see is, um, I want to see if it's a long-term deal. Is it just the rest of this year? Or is it two or three years? Because Rapport earlier today on McAfee's show said he had heard Hang that he was on. looking. Justina Anderson tweets, Odell Beckham Jr. just told me he's still on the fence with his decision as of this moment. That's yes! straight from OBJ's that is straight lips. straight from OBJ's lips oh, to Justina okay. Anderson. All right. <laughs> 
So put a pause on everything, folks. See, you're killing me here. You're killing me. What is even happening? Right well, when I I'm, thought this thing was over. How are all these people getting all such different information? But she's saying that's right from OBJ. That's straight from the horse's mouth. That is what Josina Anderson is saying. Well, I'll so, tell you, I believe Josina Anderson, man. So Schefter, Schefter and Josina both working at ESPN saying oh, it's done. It. Ian Rappaport saying it's between the Packers and uh, and Rams. So Josina Anderson all saying on the fence. But then, uh, I don't know, Jalen Ramsey tweeted that he's feeling in a good mood. And Jordan Rodrigue, who does great stuff for The Athletic, said she said that it was done. So there's so much happening here. But if OBJ says he's still on the fence, then he's still on the fence. Yeah, I mean, he has to be. If that okay, can... so this is the deal. Goodness Green gracious. Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, what y'all going to do? You're on the phone yeah, with them yeah, right you now. You all better be doing something here quick. You all better be doing something. I'll tell you right now, Rodgers, if you're serious, you better get on the phone with Goody and be like, I don't know what the heck is going on, but we better figure this out. You better get this done. What is going on? Finish this. Because if you're Goody, you don't want him with the Rams. Like, no. no. Uh-uh. If he's going to the AFC, whatever, go. But you got to fight to keep you, you got to fight to keep him out of L.A. And now that you know... That that's the team that he's yes. choosing between. You know what I mean? You it's not, it's not the Saints them. who aren't really a threat. It's not the Chiefs who are in the Matt AFC. Matt LaFleur, it's, Yeah, it's it's you and the Rams who is your direct competition. One of your one of the teams that's your direct competition for the top spot in the NFL. Kim Jones from the NFL Network oh, keep has it the coming. same keep report it coming, as Josina Anderson saying that he's still on the fence between the Rams and Packers. And her and OBJ are tight. Yes. I know that She's for been a tweeting fact. all about it the yeah. last couple of days as well. Her and OBJ are very tight, so I definitely believe Kim Jones. So he's still on the fence. Come on, Packers! Don't let him go to L.A. Do not let him go to L.A. No! Can you stop banging on stuff, man? I want that board to work while I'm, oh, while I'm on the Oh, it's fine. Air. Is it, though? It's fine. You work here, is it? I got to take a break. It's fine. I've had no issues with it. You have issues with everything. I have no idea what your deal is. Rami Makhlouf's coming up next. We'll talk more about OBJ. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan. How you doing on a Thursday? Pick and save. Green and gold. Actually, biggest day football Friday, I should say, coming up tomorrow. Hey, if you're not donated to the 15th annual toy drive, courtesy of Blaine's Farm and Fleet, presented by Annex Wealth Management, make sure to do that today. Go to 1250amthefan.com. Again, 1250amthefan.com. Make your donations all the way up and through December 3rd, your chance to make donations. These are all the, the online money donations that we're doing right now. Again, 1250amthefan.com. Help the kids at the holidays over at Children's. Uh, Wisconsin, Rami Makhlouf joins uh, me as the news coming out. First was uh, that Adam Schefter saying that uh, Ian uh, saying uh, that uh, our guy OBJ was headed to the Rams. Ian Rappaport said it was between the Rams and the Packers. Then seconds after Schefter tweeted out that it was a done deal, said, well, he's expected to go to the Rams now because he screwed up. Uh, then comes Josina Anderson and Kim Jones saying that according to OBJ, they, they just talked to him and he's still on the fence. He hadn't made up his mind yet. So Joanne Rodriguez, who had reported that he was going to the Rams, now it's come back and said that her Rams source says, well, they thought they had him. But obviously OBJ is the, the point of reason. Ian Ravelport in the break tweeted out from the beginning of the process, Odell Beckham Jr. spotlighted the Packers and Rams as his top targets. Other teams tried, but in the end, it's down to two. A tough decision as Odell told Kim Jones. 
offers are somewhat similar. The Rams posted on their website, welcome to Odell Beckham Jr. Full story. And Jordan Rodriguez posted the screenshot on her social media. Right in the comments, somebody looked to see if the page was still there, and it says, oops, this page cannot be found. They deleted it. They deleted it. So they thought they had (laughs) They thought they had Odell Beckham Jr. And they 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 do not, it looks like. Oh, what a mess. I don't even care where he ends up. What is going on? Amazing. OBJ playing hard to get. This is great. Come on, this OBJ. This is so good. You can't trust the Rams, man. You can't trust them. You can trust Green Bay. Come here. You can't trust them. Clearly, they're leaking stuff left and right. That ain't even true. Let me ask Not you even this. true, OBJ. Come to Green Bay. If the offers are similar, how do you turn down a an offer from Packer Hall of Famer and inventor of the Lambo Leap, Leroy Butler, who tweeted oh, out, no. okay, OBJ, how about my award-winning brats only at select pick-and-save stores? Just sign with the Packers. He's offering this man a lifetime. Now, he doesn't say it in the tweet, but I'm assuming a lifetime supply of Leroy Butler's famous brats. And there are cases of Leap Vodka in the background. I'm sure he'd sign those for OBJ if he went to the Packers. Is, is there anybody with the Rams offering this dude bratwurst and vodka? I doubt I, I, it. I don't think so. I doubt it. No. They're probably offering him, like, sushi and rosé or some crap that they eat in Los Angeles. Uh, what would you rather have, bratwurst and vodka or sushi and rosé? Mike Garoppolo has made a, a, a good point here. Packers Rams play each other in a couple weeks here. Yeah, they do. Weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. So the Odell sweepstakes is oh, going to come to a head. this is so good. Beckham's the Rami show be- is coming up, folks. Packers <laughs> played for one of these two teams, and it, they're going to be playing each other. Ooh. So whoever he picks, the other team's going to get their shot uh, of, uh, you know, I don't want to say revenge, but uh, hostility towards Odell Beckham for not coming to them maybe. I don't know, man. That Rams blunder, though, is huge. That's awesome. You post oh, a story, you got this. the dude, and the dude says, no, you don't. I love this. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, all right. Uh, what do you got coming up today? This. What do you mean, <laughs> what do I got coming up today? This right here. This is what I got coming up today. This right here, 414-799-1250. Let's talk about it on the Rami Show. Also, Pete Doherty, perfect guy to have on this afternoon. He'll be here at 3.30. Little Bucks talk. Talk about last night's game, some of the things that we got out of that. And the 4 o'clock, I don't know, man. Now just I scrap that. Now I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. OBJ. What did you got, Plucker? Jalen Ramsey just tweeted, he, 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 he. That's it. What, like, do you, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. You can't just tweet he, he, he. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. He's laughing because he thinks he still has him, I think. He's not going to be laughing if he goes to Green Bay, though. I mean, that is, then Devontae Adams should tweet he, 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 if and when he officially signs with the Packers. But this is not a good sign for the Rams, y'all. I'm just telling you. Like, if I was a Rams fan, I'd be paranoid right now. Like, how does everybody think this deal is done except Odell Beckham Jr.? Like, did you verbally agree to a deal? Wait, and what's then- the timestamp on the he, he tweet? It was like a minute ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question, though. That was a fair question. It was right? a fair that question. Was a fair was, question. Thank you. I'm a journalist. A yeah. Yeah, make sure that wasn't from like five years ago. No, I mean, that's <laughs> fair question. See, now look at this. E.M. She- Adam Schefter reports on ESPN. It says, breaking news, Odell oh, Beckham man. Jr. finalizing deal with Rams on ESPN right now. Just now? Right now. I can yeah. see it on TV. Because, well, he, he said that he expected a deal to be done. So... That's could it be like the same stuff that was Aaron Rodgers is yeah, upset know. and wants to be traded, where he's just assuming that that's going to be the, the situation the, that the happens. The sub headline is Beckham Jr. wanted a playoff contender with winning environment. Wouldn't that be the Packers? It could be the Rams too. It could be, yeah. But I'll tell you why you picked the Rams over the Packers. You don't want to play in snow and cold weather. 
I, I mean, want him, he went to Cleveland I, and he played want, in New York. Right. I don't think that's a probably, problem for OBJ. And he's probably sick of it. Nah, he's probably used to it. Dude, he's from the South. Tough. He ain't yeah. from the Midwest. Not everybody's soft like crap. you, though, dude. Not everybody's soft like you and has to wear a puffy jacket in the studio. Right. Not everybody's like you. Not taking it off since I got here. Not everybody's morning. got circulation no. problems. I'm just old. Like I'm you and the rest of the big show and Plucker over there. Yeah. All right. Sam's got a sweatshirt on too. It Not a like- full-on winter coat though. You got one of those Columbia like like it has the lining like that silver lining that's made of the stuff that they put on marathon yeah, runners correct. after they were like what, what it's not yeah, that cold in nice here, man. And warm. It's like not a that Canadian cold. Goose. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this dude's puffy. He's all puffy mm-hmm. in his coat today. Yeah. I, We're may, indoors, dude. Yeah, it's cold in here. It's not uh, that cold. All right, Robbie Makloff. Thank oh, you, stop. Plucker. Y'all are soft. Robbie Makloff is coming Happened up. Happened to the big show. Coming up next, and uh, he'll have more on uh, as the world oh, I turns. I love this. I love OBJ, this. Odell Beckham Jr. Sam Schmitz will be our narrator. Coming up next here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.